But yeah, uh, not, not quite so stormy, not like what we're used to in, in Wisconsin. Um, this is my wife, Sandra. She wasn't with me um, last time that we were here. And both of us were raised in Wisconsin. I was born there. She wasn't born there, but she was raised there. And, uh, you know, storms are kind of a normal thing there. Different kinds of storms than what we're going to be reading about in the Bible here. You can turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4. We'll be heading there in just a minute. But um, so our family, uh, Sandra's family, uh, has moved to Minnesota. You'd think, why would you leave Wisconsin to go to Minnesota? Why don't you go down south? But anyway, uh, so her family is now in Minnesota, but they used to be in, uh, in Wisconsin. I grew up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, as did she. And uh, my parents are still there, and my brother's in, the, in Milwaukee, in, in the Milwaukee area. And so we head up there a lot of times for Christmas. And uh, as you can imagine, when you go up to Wisconsin in, at Christmas time, you don't know what kind of weather you're going to get. And we've been doing that for, for years. And before we pastored here, we pastored in Terre Haute, Indiana for six years. And it was during that time, I remember one, one time in particular, we went up to uh, Sheboygan, had a nice Christmas. And then it was time to go back, you know, we've, we've got a church to get back to. Back in those days, we, we waited till the last minute, and so we were heading back on like Saturday afternoon, had service the next day. We don't do that anymore. We leave a little bit earlier. But uh, on that particular day, there was, a, there was a, a, a blizzard, really. And really, we shouldn't have been driving. And, and of course, my mom, being a mom, oh, you can get somebody else to preach for you. You shouldn't be driving. No, I'll be fine, mom. You know, I grew up in this stuff. I, I learned to drive in this stuff. And so we're... Uh, we're Taking the highway, uh, excuse me, back home, and, uh, and, and the kids were little. Um, Hannah, my, our oldest daughter, she would have been an early grade schooler at that time. I don't even know if Elijah was in school. but uh, So we had our two kids in the back seat, and as we're driving along and, and the wind is blowing, we're driving this minivan and, and driving it on, on ice and snow, and suddenly this big drift comes, and, and I hit this patch of snow or, uh, ice at the same time right at an intersection. You know, intersections are especially bad. And just about that time, uh, we, we started going off the road, went into the median, and uh, I thought, oh, this is it. And so, you know, instincts kick in, you know, the good old Wisconsin instincts, and you, you, you know, you just gun the engine and drive as much as you can. You get back out of the snow, back onto the road, and my heart's going, da-dum, 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 da-dum. I was, you know, and I look over to Sandra, and she's, you know, co-pilot in the passenger seat, and she's, you know, she's kind of like this too, and oh, thank you, Jesus, you know. And then after we're back on the road and, and, and moving straight, of course, I still wasn't going to get a hotel, but, you know, we're just still driving. <laughs> Uh, back on the road and, and driving straight, and uh, I look in the back seat, and the kids, they're just fine. You know, one of them's sleeping, the other one's just kind of goofing around playing. And I just thought, they have no idea <laughs> how close we just came to wrecking our car and being stuck out here, uh, who knows where, south of Chicago, I think it was. And, um, but they, were, they had total confidence. Why was that? It was because Dad was driving. And for some reason, I had earned their trust to where... Now, now my son is 19 years old. I haven't necessarily earned his trust. Dad, Dad, why do you get up so close on the... I'm not that close, Elijah. You know, he's, he's my co-pilot now. Sandra's usually in the back seat. But back then, when they were trusting and angelic and loving their father, they had all the confidence just because Dad's driving. He's got this. There's no such thing as bad weather. There's no such thing as a storm that we're not going to be able to endure. And it kind of reminds me of the story that we're going to read here in Mark chapter 4 as we continue 
uh, in the series that uh, Pastor has you through as we look at the servant Jesus looking through the book of Mark. Would you stand with me, please? We're just going to read a few verses. Mark chapter 4, beginning with verse, verse 35. The scripture says, As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat and started out, leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat, and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence! Or peace, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped, and there was a great calm. They asked, then he asked them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Would you pray with me, please? Lord God, we thank you so much for this scripture. We thank you for the humanity that we see in the disciples and that we can just identify with them. We thank you for your example that you have set before us while you walked this earth and throughout the pages of your word, the kind of people that we're to live up to as we continue to be conformed to your likeness, as we continue to reflect your character. Lord, we pray that you would make this scripture come alive to us today in a way that I never could on my own. Father, I pray that you would anoint my mind and my lips so that I can speak your word uh, truly and clearly and simply. Pray that you would anoint our ears that we can hear what you have to say to us. Anoint our minds that we can comprehend it all. Anoint our hearts that we can receive it. And anoint our hands and our feet so that we can put into practice the things that you've called us to do today. This service is yours. We are your people. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. I love the disciples' reaction because it's just so natural. (laughs) Uh, And I have for years read this, and I'm not going to say I have a handle on it now, but I, I think... Jesus, you're being kind of harsh on these guys, don't you think? I mean, put yourself in the disciples' boat, so to speak. They're in this boat. The waves are crashing in. The wind is blowing and howling. And, and, and I mean, they don't know if they're going to survive. And so they say, well, where's Jesus? And, you know, and he's in the back of the boat. He's, you know, water splash on his face and whatever. But he is just so wiped out from ministering that he's asleep in the boat. And they say, don't you even care that we're going to drown? And Jesus rebukes them. And he said, what's the matter with you guys? Don't you have any faith? And I always thought, that's kind of hard. Uh, And yet, it shows the level that Jesus expects us to live up to. Um, I want to look at three different things here, three different statements uh, as we walk through this passage here this morning. And it's all because Jesus is in the boat. You know, my kids were okay because dad was driving. And we can be okay in our lives because Jesus is in the boat. Now, maybe you're not a fisherman. Maybe you're not a, you know, you don't go out on the lake or whatever, the reservoir or, or ocean or whatever. Maybe you can't relate to the disciples in that way, but we all have storms in our lives, right? We know what it's like to have storms. 
We know what it's like when you know, COVID or other sicknesses uh, hit us, when the doctor gives us bad news that we don't want to hear, when we lose a loved one, when we you know, lose hours or lose our job completely, um, when we have relationship issues, somebody that we care about hurts us and cuts us deep. You know, we all know what it's like to live through storms. Maybe it's your kids. Maybe it's your parents and the different situations that can arise in that. Jesus says to us, just have some faith. Don't be afraid. And Jesus is with us all the time. And because he's with us, we can do a few things. And the first one is, because Jesus is with us in the boat, we can keep our courage. This is the longest point, so don't just think that because I spend so much time on this that we're going to be here forever. But when Jesus is in your boat, it doesn't matter what comes your way. You know, as long as Jesus is there, who cares what else happens? The storm comes. That's nothing uh, unusual. For, you know, the disciples, many of them were fishermen, and they shouldn't have been surprised that there was a storm. Uh, and yet this storm has them worried. We have a way of making the storms that we face in this life seem worse than they really are. Because when we're in the middle of it, it seems really bad. And I'm not saying it's not bad, but we lose perspective sometimes. In fact, it seems that the present storms that we're going through always seem to be worse than the last storms that we went through, right? Oh, I've never had anything like this happen before. I've never had to deal with this kind of thing before. I've never been under so much stress. Well, maybe we've just lost some perspective. But here's the thing. There is no better place that the disciples could be at that precise moment than in that boat. Not because they were going through the storms, but because Jesus was there with them in the boat. You know what? When we've got Jesus with us, when we've got the Spirit of God in our hearts, and we're living with him, and, and he walks with us, and he talks with us, that's all we need. It doesn't matter. We are right where we need to be as long as we've got Jesus with us. The scripture tells us in 1 John 4 that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's good to know. Somebody once said that the sea, if it were not tossed with the winds, would stink. And that's true. And just as the sea, if it weren't tossed by the winds, would stink, even so... We Christians, if we never went through trials and we never went through tribulations, we would be the worse off for it. You know, I think it's interesting that Jesus is actually sleeping through the storm. It just seems so weird. Like, how tired do you have to be <laughs> with the boat rocking and, and the disciples screaming all around you and the wind howling and the water splashing all over you, and yet Jesus was exhausted? But here's the thing. Jesus had absolutely no anxieties about the problems that were occurring. It's important to note that Jesus knew how to rest. Some of us don't know how to rest. And so we bring a lot of the stress upon us because we don't know what it's like to rest in the Lord. But here's the thing. Jesus didn't allow circumstances to control him. He didn't allow situations to affect him. Jesus was confident in his father's care. He was confident in who he was and his identity. He was in control of situations. He was above every circumstance. If you read through the scriptures, sometimes it's easy for us to say, well, yeah, Jesus was, he was God, and so it's easy for him to deal with this stuff. Well, he was also man. And we look at all the different things that he had to deal with while he walked this earth, and he had to deal with a lot, and yet he never let it overwhelm him. And I didn't plan to say this, but we get a good window of that into Gethsemane, don't we? 
You know, the one time when you think about when Jesus may have been really overwhelmed, what did he do? He went to prayer. He went to the Father. And he went to submit himself to the Father. You know, Father, this seems like a lot. If it's at all possible, can you let this pass from me? And yet, not what I want, but whatever you want. And Jesus got up from that agonizing time of prayer, resolved that he was going to go ahead and he was going to face the storm because he knew that his father was there with him. But let's get back to this text because otherwise we'll be in trouble if I keep on going off on tangents here. Um, the disciples were not like Jesus. <laughs> they got caught up in the situation. They're a lot like me and they're a lot like you, right? Uh, with each crashing wave, which each, with each flap of the sail on their boat, maybe they had the sail down because it was so stormy, They became more fearful. Their anxieties grew more and more. And their faith that they were going to be able to reach the other side began to dwindle more and more, began to vanish. And yet Jesus slept. He never lost an ounce of faith. You say, well, he was God. Well, yeah, but he had to trust in the Father just like we have to trust in the Father. And that's what this is all about. And so let's look at a couple of observations here. When Jesus is in the, uh, the fact that Jesus was in the boat, number one, did not exempt the disciples from the storms. In fact, whose idea was it that they get in the boat and go into the lake at that time of day? It was Jesus. Were the disciples in God's will or were they outside of God's will? They're in God's will, right? A lot of times when the storms happen, we start thinking, man, I did something wrong here. You know, God's mad at me or something. No, sometimes we're right, right where we need to be. The storms happen. Matthew 10, verse 22, Jesus has this promise. You'll be hated by all for my name's sake, but he who endures to the end will be saved. When I was a kid, you know, we sang this song, every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line, all our blessings of his love divine. You know? Well, there's a promise right there. You're going to be hated. <laughs> You're going to be hated for my sake, Jesus says. You know, it shouldn't be a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise when, when we have to face animosity because of who we are or what we stand for. Now, we don't want to invite that. We don't want to go out and, and be aggressive and try to, you know, pick fights and everything. But we shouldn't be surprised when people don't necessarily gel with our message. Psalm 34, 19 has this promise for us. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. And so you see that every time the Bible gives us one of these downer promises, there's also hope at the end. Yes, many are their afflictions, but the Lord delivers us from them all. Yes, you'll be hated for my name's sake, but if you endure to the end, you're going to be saved. Jesus said on another time, uh, in this world you'll have many troubles, but take heart, I have overcome the world, is what Jesus says. So, Just because Jesus was in the boat didn't mean that they weren't going to face the storms. And then secondly, it didn't exclude the disciples from his intervention. And that's the part that we have to remember. Because Jesus is ready to save you. He is willing to deliver you. He wants to set you free. He wants to come to your aid. It might not happen the way that you want it to, but he wants to minister to you. He wants to bless you. He wants to grow you. He wants to make you more and more like him. Psalm 37, verse 25 says, I've not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. You know, God's always going to provide. It might not be with steak. 
you know. Uh, the, the Israelites, they asked for food, and God gave them manna. They didn't even know what it was. That's why they say, well, what is it? And they, well, I don't know. Well, let's just call it what is it. That's what manna basically means. What is it? So they just called it that all the days of their lives. What's for lunch today? What is it? <laughs> oh, okay, we had that for breakfast too, you know. But God was providing for them. And they didn't have to do anything to earn this manna. Any Keith Green fans out there? You thinking, you thinking some Keith Green lyrics all of a sudden? I am. I won't get into that right now. You got you to look it up sometime. <laughs> he was, he was, a, he was a, a, a Christian singer way back in the day. Anyway, <laughs> I don't get distracted by people in the, in, in, in the congregation very much, but I distract myself all the time. Um, <laughs> so it doesn't exclude them uh, from his intervention. Also, uh, Matthew 7, 11, Jesus says, if, uh, you know, he, he has this whole uh, story, and uh, he says, you know, if, if your child asks you for bread, are you going to give him a stone? If, if he asks you for fish, are you going to give him a snake? And, of course, the obvious answer is no. We love our kids. We're going to take care of them. And Jesus said, well, yeah, but you're evil. And if you, being evil, know how to love your kids, how much more will your perfect heavenly Father take care of you? And so it is a matter of faith. You are his child. Just because the storms have hit doesn't mean that that has affected God's love, God's care, God's provision for you. Father knows how to take care of his children, and he'll always take care of you. And of course, when we talk about Jesus being in the boat, figuratively speaking, we're talking about Jesus being in our heart. It's, we're talking about walking with Jesus. If he's your Lord, if he directs your steps, then he stands ready to assist you at every turn. And like I said before, there's no better place for the disciples to be at that moment than right there in that boat, in the middle of the storm, in the middle of the lake, in the dark, where they couldn't see anything around them. Because they were in God's will. And because they're in God's will, they should have had no fear, just like Jesus. And I know that's easy for me to say when I'm standing up here and you're going through your storm and, and I don't know what it is. But with a group this large, certainly some of you are going through the storm. You're watching online, you very well could be going through storm as well. And so it's easy for me to say, yeah, you shouldn't be afraid. But I'm trying to encourage you from the scriptures here. Because either Jesus is Lord or he's not. Either he's God or he's not. And what we've seen, I'm sure, throughout this book, as Pastor Kyle has led you through it, is that Jesus is powerful and he is worthy of your trust and he is worthy of your, um, uh, of your life to live it for him. The disciples had every reason to trust in Jesus. He's not leading them to the lake to kill them, right? He, he didn't just say, hey, you know, let's get in the boat. I'm, I've had it with you guys, you know. He's got reasons. He's got a purpose. They don't see what that purpose is, but he's got a purpose. Did Jesus know that the storm was going to come? He was God. I mean, he's fully man. He's fully God. I tend to think that he thought that he knew that the storm was coming. Maybe he didn't, and I'm willing to accept that as well in his humanity. I mean, you know. But I think he probably did. And so then the question is, why would he allow the disciples to go through that storm? And so we take notice of the response that Jesus gave when they woke him up. Why are you afraid? You have so little faith. What was the purpose? The purpose was to grow their faith. 
The purpose was to strengthen them. The purpose was to make them better men than they were before. Jesus is trying to instruct them. He's trying to teach them to stretch their faith. He's more than able and willing to save them. And indeed, he did eventually save them. But first, he wants their faith to be stretched. He wants them to grow in their walk with God. He wants them to appreciate the provision of the Lord more so. I love the fact that Jesus didn't disturb them for rebuking him. He obviously was exhausted. Sometimes, you know, you wake me up, and and if I'm in a really deep sleep, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? I mean, I I get irritated, you know. You know, you're sleeping really well, and then all of a sudden somebody just yells or or shakes you or slams the door or turns on the light, you know, and and your heart just jumps out of your skin, and, you know, and and it's it's just irritating. Yet Jesus doesn't chastise him for waking him up. He was unhappy because of their fear. What was the cause of their fear? The cause of their fear was a lack of faith. Faith allows us to see the storm, or sees, faith allows us to see through the storm to the other side. It allows us to see greater purposes that lie ahead. This is in the middle of the night for the disciples. They couldn't see anything around them, which is part of the reason why they were so scared. And yet by faith, they should have been able to see you know, not, like, not literally like a vision, but by faith, they should have been able to see the shore at the end of their journey because that's where Jesus was taking them. My friends, you may be in the storm right now. Have courage because God has a purpose for you and he's crafting his image in you at this point. Fear, stress, lack of faith, it causes us only to focus on the present. Instead, we need to be focusing on Jesus in the future, and what purpose does he have for us? Let's move on. So, because Jesus is in the boat, we can have courage, but also, because Jesus is in the boat, we can weather the storm. Dr. James Dobson, in the book, When God Doesn't Make Sense, he talks about the adversity principle. The adversity principle. He says this, it's a fairly long quote, but he says, habitual well-being is not advantageous to a species. Of course, if you ever watch The Matrix, then you understand that, but anyway, that's another thing. Uh, I'm a little bit of a Nerd. (laughs) So, uh, habitual well-being is not advantageous to a species. An existence without challenge takes its toll on virtually every living thing. This may explain the astonishing results of a recent survey where 87% of the people surveyed said, quote, a painful event, death, illness, breakup, divorce, etc., caused them to find a more positive meaning in life, end quote. Jesus said, in the world you will have adversity, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Ironically, Dobson says, adversity can be therapeutic. And I think that if you were able to look with an honest look in your life right now, that you would be able to look back at the adversity that you have faced, and you can say, you know what? I didn't enjoy it, but I can see where God brought me through it. I can see where my trust in him was strengthened. I can see where I became stronger. I can see where I was uh, better equipped to face this next adversity that came my way. When we're in the middle of it, it's hard to see it, but when we are looking back on it, it's easier to see, okay, this is how God was working. Charles Kettering says, no one would have crossed the ocean if he could have gotten off the ship in the storm. That's true. If there's any way that we could have gotten off the ship, then we don't cross the ocean, we don't get to our destination, we don't grow. Storms on the lake, like I said before, normal occurrences back on the Sea of Galilee. They call it the Sea of Galilee, but really it's a lake. 
The region's notorious for sudden storms, even today. It's because of all the mountains that are around, uh, around the lake. And, and so there's this, you know, the, the Ga- Sea of Galilee lies in a deep basin with hills all around it. And that, that provides treacherous wind patterns. And so the disciples, being experienced fishermen, they would always know. You don't go out in the afternoon, you, do, you go out in the morning. And you certainly don't go out at night. That's just not what you do. But Jesus told them to do it, and so they did it. But the storms are not unusual. Don't think that your problems are bigger and badder and worse than everybody else. We all go through stuff. And don't think that you are just being singled out for some horrible tragedy because God is making it. So, so many times people are so like, oh, I feel like Job. And I'm like, did you ever read Job? You know, you know, I mean, come on. Go ahead and read it. Just, just read it. See, see if you feel like Job or not. And so let's look at a couple of observations here. Normal responses for Christians when the storms hit, two of them. Number one, joy in adversity. This is a normal response for Christians, an abnormal response in the world. James 1.2 says, count it all joy whenever you face trials and difficulties. It's, this is not a normal reaction. It's a supernatural response. But when we have the supernatural God living in us and walking with us and empowering us, then we can respond supernaturally. And so eventually, for a Christian, this becomes the normal response. God desires to intervene in your life in a supernatural way. God can do what you could not possibly do on your own. And he wants to lift you up more to his level rather than keep you right where you're at. The second response that's a normal response is thanksgiving and sufferings. 1 Peter chapter 4 says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. So in other words, when you're going through the trial, stick with it. Tough it out. Trust in God. Because when you get to the end, not only are you going to be joyful, but you're going to have exceeding joy because you're going to see how God showed up. I I just said a phrase I hate saying. God's always there. He doesn't show up. He's always there. But when God reveals himself to us, he reveals his power, he reveals his love, he reveals his care, his provision, he reveals his providence to us in such a powerful way that suddenly... Not only are we glad, but we have exceeding joy. And not, again, this is a supernatural response. To be thankful in sufferings, that's not normal, but God helps us to respond supernaturally. And it's good to know that God inhabits the praises of his people. That's what the Bible says. And so the hand of God is released through our prayer and suffering. Not because necessarily he's hindered, but because we are hindering him when we're not giving him his due. But suddenly I start to understand how, uh, you know, the greatness of who he is. And the, the, you know, I just stand in awe of his presence. And, and, and that makes me want to worship him. And suddenly, you know, I, I, in my faith, I have just you know, broken through the wall, so to speak, to where I'm now uh, uh, expecting more from him. And I am willing to move and take that step in faith, knowing that he's going to be with me and he's helping me. This also reminds us that God is faithful and his faithfulness endures forever. And so because Jesus is in the boat, we can be courageous. And then 
because Jesus is in the boat, we can uh, weather the storm. And then finally, because Jesus is in the boat, we can trust his authority. And really, that's what a lot of this book is about, isn't it? It's about the authority of Jesus Christ. So Jesus rises from his nap, (laughs) yawns, you know, and he gets up and he rebukes the sea. So the disciples learn something very, very important about Jesus' identity right here. You see, this is not just a prophet. This is not just a teacher. This is not just a rabbi. He's not just a good man. But he is the Lord of creation. And the disciples didn't quite understand that yet because they're like, who is this guy? They've been walking with him. They've been seeing the miracles. They've been witnessing the healings. They've been hearing the awesome teaching. They've watched him pray. And yet, who is this guy? Even the winds and the seas obey him. I don't have time to get into the scriptures right now. I think they'll be on on the PowerPoint for you. But the Old Testament, time and time again, we see that God is the one who has the power over the sea. And so now Jesus stands up and he rebukes the sea and he shows that he is equal with God. He is not just a mere man. What they were taught uh, in, in, in the Roman Empire at that time was that Zeus was the Roman god of the weather and the sky. And Zeus was oftentimes depicted with a lightning bolt in his hand. And yet Jesus, he stands up and he says to the storm, be still. Literally, it's be muzzled. Or in our um, vernacular, Jesus says to the storm, he just gets up from his nap and he says, Shut up! I mean, that's the kind of authority and power that Jesus had and that he exercised over the storm. And as soon as he said that, peace, silence, and shut up, the storm obeyed. There are times in our lives where if we just weather the storm and trust in Jesus, suddenly the anxiety dissipates. I mean, sometimes it happens like that. And, and suddenly everything that seemed noisy and, and, and um, raucous and uh, confusing and just makes my mind want to blow, suddenly it's just calm. And I can trust in God and I say, wow. Maybe he showed me something. Maybe he, maybe he didn't show me the purpose for it all and yet I can trust in him. Jesus always brings peace. Always. The NLT says silence. Other versions say peace. He always brings peace. And if what you're trying to do isn't bringing peace, then God isn't in it. It's that simple. Sometimes we trust in, well, I'll just pull myself up from my bootstraps, or I'll just get back on the horse again, and I'll get back out in the dating scene, or I'll just go to this substance, or I'll go to this video game, or I'll go to this TV show, or I'm going to go shopping, or I'm going to do something for myself. I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to play sports. I'm going to get some aggression out, whatever. And if it's not bringing peace, God's not in it. If the disciples understood who Jesus really was, they wouldn't have been fearful. Good news is, not only does Jesus have the authority, but he has also empowered us. He's empowered us. Yes, we trust in Jesus, but we also understand that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So a couple of observations here about being empowered by God's presence. Number one, Jesus left us with a comforter. John 16, verses 5 through 7, Jesus said that it was best that he would leave 
you know, ascend to heaven, sit at the right hand of God in the position of power, because if he could leave, then he can leave the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, with us. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we can overcome trials and adversity that we face because of God in our lives. It's only through the Holy Spirit that we can respond to the natural circumstances in a supernatural way. So Jesus gives us a comforter, and he leaves us with a sign. In Mark chapter 16, before he leaves, Jesus says, And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Does that sound like a conqueror, or does that sound like somebody who's defeated? Because the Holy Spirit is with us and because God has empowered us, he has given us the strength to face whatever trial comes our way and he will protect us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, you are to be empowered by the Holy Spirit and indeed you are commissioned to be an overcomer. and He has empowered you and therefore you should be overcoming. I don't believe that Christians should live in a, virtu- in a nonstop state of, of uh, stress and despair and wondering if we're ever going to get past this. I believe God has called us to be overcomers. And if you are not receiving that peace, then whatever it is that you're looking to is not from God because God, Jesus, is the Prince of Peace. Not only does Jesus have the authority, but he's passed that authority on to us. 1 John 5, 4, for everyone, if the worship team can come up here, uh, please, I'd appreciate that. 1 John 5, verse 4, says, For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Not faith, like, oh, I've got great faith, and I I have faith in faith, and I have faith that everything's going to turn out, and I just, you know, no, it's faith Biblical faith is always centered in God. So it's to trust in him. If we're living in defeat and stress with worry for the cares of the world, then we're living beneath the means with which we've been empowered. No matter how high the waves, no matter how strong the wind, my friend, God is with you. And that's the good news for today. Because Jesus is in the boat, we can be courageous. We can weather the storm. And we can trust in his authority. And as a sub-point to that, not only his authority as the Lord of all creation, but that he has given authority to us to stand up to Satan and the flesh and any trial that comes our way. I'd like to ask if you'd please uh, stand.